if you would be kind to open your Bibles in 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. You would please forgive me for my mistakes. I'm a little bit nervous. Plus, I had a little bit of coffee and I'm very jittery. Chapter 4, 1 John. Let's go to verse 7. In, how do you say seven in Spanish? Say siete. Siete. Very good. You're learning. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Wow. Because God is what? Love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Wow. You know... Is there any medical doctor here? Nurse? Any medical practitioner of any sort? Any student? (laughs) How many of you know that water is important for the body? How many of you know that we can live more with water than without food? Okay, so I'm not. If if I say something that's incorrect, just stand up and let me know. But yeah, that's true. How, how much percent is our body in, in, in water? Huh? That's about right. That's about right. Our body is about 70% water. And you know that's essential for our bodies, right? That will lubricate our joints, help our digestive system, on and on and on and on the story goes. So I'm sorry... If you're a coffee drinker and drinking coffee all day, Coke, all these kind of sodas, eh, water is better. Anyway, um, we got here a book written by John the Apostle. And I want you to go back with me so you can kind of understand where he's coming from. He's almost 90 years old, 80, 90 years old. He's probably seen the rest of his apostle friends die or heard the news that they were killed. He's living his last days in Ephesus as the leader of a church. He's seen Rome devastate Jerusalem. He knows about the destruction of the temple. He knows how they killed everybody as the Roman legions kept on going south through Masada and Gedi and all that Dead Sea. And how they killed all the Essenes and everybody that was a Jew. And how they made all the Jews, how they deported all the Jews out of Jerusalem in the first century after Christ's death. Now he stands alone preaching and trying to defend the gospel. Defending the gospel because there are people within the ranks of the church in that time who for some reason or another... They decided to believe that the word of God was not really the word of God and that we could approach God in different ways. They had a problem with Gnosticism back in that time. 
and agnosticism is just, to make it very simple for you, it's a philosophy which says that body or matter cannot unite with spirit. They could not believe that a good God, a pure God, could come and dwell on a sinful body like yours or mine. First of all, the Bible says that God came incarnate in Jesus Christ. It says it right there. So I don't know how they got away from that. So John has to battle this group because they're trying not only to preach something else than the gospel, but to infiltrate in the church. And one of the things that John is going to tell the church is, if we know that we are genuine Christians, if we confess that Jesus came in the flesh. So I want to talk to you about three things that chapter 4 of 1 John says. First, God it took the initiative to come to us, not we to him. Second, our relationship to him. And third, and not the least, is our relationship to others. And I'll be brief about this. But we got to understand something, and I want to put everything in perspective. And since i got a little bit more time, I want you to reflect on this. On the first service, I couldn't do it because of the time constraint. But I want to open some statistics to you this morning. I was looking at some statistics on my um, tablet before coming in here. And it is very startling, startling, that every year in the U.S. alone, how many churches do you think close their doors? Somebody, say something. 5,000? Anybody got another number? 20%. 20%. 20%. Anybody else? 700. Okay? He's the closest one. 4,000 churches a year. How many pastors do you think leave the pulpit every year? Somebody. 15,000. Hmm? 15,000. Somebody else? Somebody else? Fourteen hundred average every year live the pulpits. We'll talk a little bit about that in context with what I'm talking about. I want to do something and pastor, I need your help. So pastor, come over here. And I got time. So I need a young folk. I need you. All right. Come over here. I need somebody that's about 30, 35 years old to come here. 30, 35 years old. Anybody in that range? All right. Now I need somebody who's a senior citizen. Anybody? If you don't come up. Somebody help him get up there. Okay. I'm going to need, I need both of you to go with the pastor outside. They cannot listen to what I'm going to ask him. When I finish with him, then I'm going to get mad and then him last, all right? But they cannot hear what he's going to say. So people don't be listening. I want him. 
Yo, you need to go farther out. <laughs> I want you to tell me something, and I don't want, I want the first thing that comes out of your mind, and I want you to tell me what love means to you. Go ahead, it's okay. Faith. Okay. You have something else? Is this anything else come to your mind? It's okay. Very good. Let's give an applause to him, please. Okay, go with you. Matt, please remember that. No, 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 no. Miss, what's his name? No, you need to stand way back there. Yeah. Matt, come over here. Don't try to figure this out. Don't try to be first thing that comes out of your mind. What does love mean to you? Love means to me. I think of my wife. Anything else? I think unconditional love too, so those two things. Okay. Please sit down. I love this. I got the Pope and I got the microphone. Sir, what does love mean to you? Hmm. It means giving everything I've got to anybody I come in contact with and treat them like I'd want them to treat me. Okay. So you said giving everything. Everything. Giving everything to each, each and every person I come in contact with. So you give, you, you share, you, you give, give out it. of yourself. Okay. Thank you very much. An applause, please. Wow. Folks, have you heard all three of them? Did any of the answers that you hear are the same? They all, they all have their definitions of love because they are raised in different contexts in different times. They understand the value of love in different ways. Is any of the definitions they say were wrong? Absolutely not. Because they all encompass what love is about. From a young child to the older gentleman, love takes a different meaning. With that being said... Our church in the U.S. is changing dynamically and changing real quick. With that being said, I ain't going to be bold enough to say to you that God might lead some of you into the mission field. I'm not talking about India. I'm not talking about Taiwan. I'm not talking about Philippines. I'm probably talking about U.S. You know, one of the first leading Countries to the mission field with more missionaries. Who do you think it is? Not United States. Huh? Brazil. Brazil. The second one is which one? Who do you think it is? United States. The second leading missionary field in the world is the USA. 
Why have we got so many churches? What percentage goes to church every Sunday? What she said, 20%. 20% of the U.S. population right now goes to church on a Sunday. 20% to keep you in perspective is just these three rows. Everybody else in here is the other 80% that doesn't go to church. Only these three rows go to church. Is that staggering or what? Why do you think God calls us? Because of what John is saying. John is saying that God gave his son for us. He took the initiative. In due time, he gave his son without us asking for a savior. His love shows us that he gave himself for us. That's an expression of love. And he initiated us, not so we can appreciate it, but because love not only is to be perceived as something to admire, but it is an intentional word which leads us to do something about it. See, when we relate to Jesus, and this is another problem that the church has, and I'll, sum up, I'll summarize everything later. I want to, you got to understand that we are a relational dynamic with God. And that relational dynamic is every single day of your life is your constant communication with God. And we as the church in general fail because we do not have our devotionals privately. We don't have devotionals with family. We don't talk about the Lord with anybody because sometimes we think that it is the preacher's job to do it. That's why we pay him. I'm serious. This is with the churches that I visited. But the truth of the fact is that the commission stated in Matthew is for who? For every single one of us. From the youngest to the oldest. So our relationship, if we don't have a good relationship, what happens? Let me ask you this way. If you don't have a good relationship with your spouse, what would happen to that? Is there a couple here that can answer that question? It will fall apart. Exactly. And that's the same thing that would happen with your relationship with God. You might know him. You might know that he died for your sins. You might know there's a church here and that church got a pastor. You might even know his name. Good for you. But have you dig anywhere any more deeper? So that's our, our second component. First, God initiated. Second, our relationship to him. And third, but not last, is our relationship toward all of us and the people outside. You know, John stated it that we have to love each other because that's the only way that we ourselves could be distinguished from a world that does not know anything about love. What's love for the world? It's a conditional love. If you do this for me, and I'll do this for you, and it's going to be okay. But how many of you know that the statistics say that divorces of the world are the same in percentage as the divorces inside the church? How many of you know that? 
That's staggering too. So we got to do some, we got some challenges in front of us. In all, in every single age, during the last 2,000 years, the church has had a challenge with different problems and whatnot. But I've given you a couple of problems because in this love situation dynamic, we have to learn how to love each other. And God goes beyond that. He says, well, you know, love the pastor. It's easy to love the pastor. You know, well-shaved, nice watch, nice ring, nice shoes. Maybe his cologne is good. He didn't buy it at Walmart. Well, I'm sorry. (laughs) I didn't mean to say because some of you might have bought cologne at Walmart. Apologies. But the truth of the fact is, it's easy, you know. But when you go out in the street and find somebody that's totally different to you, maybe a little bit smelly. Maybe doesn't speak like you do. Maybe not the same color skin as you. Maybe not the same financial status as you. Maybe not the same educational level as you and me. Look at the examples in the Word of God. The prodigal son who left everything because he wanted to take his money and have a good time. He left his home and what did he do? Spend it all. And he came back, and he came back almost in rags. What did his father do? Somebody. Huh? In that culture, it's a no-no for a father to raise and go running after his son. It's a no-no in that culture. You know that in the Arabic world, woman is second place. Go to Saudi Arabia. Go to Iran. Go to any of these places. You can see a woman's half second place. But for the Bible to tell us that the father ran to his son is just a picture of how much Jesus loves us. Now look at the Apostle Peter. Big mouth that he had. If you and I were a jury, we would have disqualified him and told him, Peter, take a hike. You ain't qualified. You got a big mouth, Peter. And next time you do that thing about walking on water, I don't even know you. Take a hike. And look at Apostle Paul. He threw a couple of people in prison. But you got to understand what Paul was doing. He didn't only take men like this right here and put them in prison. He took kids. He took wives. He took everybody that he could and put them in prison. And on Damascus Road, oh, Damascus Road is beautiful. As you go to the north of Israel and you look toward Damascus, oh, the contrast with the desert and everything, that's gorgeous. And right in that road, bam, God knocked him down. Knocked him down out of his pride and his belief system and everything. And told him, hey, Paul. Let's get with them. I'm going to show you something new. And it's because of Paul that we have, what, half of the New Testament? Is that love or what? Hasn't he shown love to us? And let me tell you something. I was saying earlier. You and I go through challenges every day. Am I right or wrong? Sometimes those challenges have to face with things in our heart, decisions that we make. Sometimes wrong decisions. 
Sometimes we have a history. Sometimes we have a very deep wound inside. And we figure, why God me? Or why God this? We will never understand everything of God. And we as preachers, we're not supposed to either. We're just here to lead the way to Jesus and to hope that you have sufficient trust in him to go on when the whys can't be answered. But one thing can be answered. God cannot deny himself. He loves you. If you think you've done anything that you do not deserve his love, let me give you good news. He loves you still. There's nothing, absolutely nothing that you can do that will turn God's love away from you. Have you ever tried to run away from God? To find out that when you ran away to another place, you say, peekaboo, I'm here. (laughs) Isn't that what David said? If I go to the desert, you're there. If I go to En you're there. If I go to Jerusalem, you're there. There's no way to escape God. He doesn't want you to escape from him. He will gladly run after you. We don't understand why things happen to us, but he's right there. It was in World War II in one of the uh, juice camps. And they were doing some horrible things. Now I won't go into detail because we got children and whatnot here. But they were doing some horrible things. And the prisoners, the Jews that were watching, they could not fanfin this in their minds. Why were they watching this? Where was God in all this? And to one of them, God spoke and said, I am right there with that person who's suffering that. Love. Let me tell you something about relational love. Relational love between us is what's going to bond this group and to push it forward. We need to consider that you as a church need to go somewhere. Oh, yeah. You're building a nice church over here. But when that is finished, is that the end of everything? The end of the goal? I'm sorry, but that's just the start. And you all need to get involved. And it's easy. Start with prayer. Start with visiting. Start with going out of your comfort zone. Inviting somebody. Giving them a Bible. Giving them a, a cup of water to your neighbor. Maybe they can't cut the grass. Maybe they're senior citizens. Maybe you can go to the supermarket. Maybe somebody might there need something. Give a track at work. Somebody might need a word of encouragement. And you that would like to go to mission trips and whatnot, just go ahead and do it. I love mission trips. Especially because I can interpret. But every time I go to interpret, I end up doing much more than that. I remember once in the mission field, out of love, they told me, you have to stand outside there and just pass bricks. We're building a church. I'm standing, just moving bricks inside to the building. 
starts raining, pouring raining, and I'm right there. Has somebody ever built something in mission fields here? And I'm, and I'm, I say, God, what am I doing here? I'm, I'm in mud. Out of nowhere comes a little girl, maybe about her age, walking straight to me. She got wet. And she was so curious to look at me. I don't know what went through her mind. But maybe she was trying to look at something different. I was not from there, so of course there's curiosity. But maybe she's looking for love where she didn't have any. Maybe God put her there in that moment just to show me, give me a lesson. To tell me that God loves me enough that even though it's raining and I'm in the mud, God still cares about me because he brings a person in front of me. I never saw her coming. When I looked, she was there. And I said, God, you know everything. So the relational starts here and goes out. Love. We just saying, um, where's Matt? It is good within my soul. What's the name of the song? Huh? It is well. Can you sing a little phrase or two just right there? Yeah, you. I don't care. <laughs> with my soul, with my soul, it is well, it is well with my soul. Horatio Spafford. How many of you know the story of this song? Just one? Well, let me entertain you for a bit right here. Because Horatio, in 1870, was a wealthy man, lawyer. He had the money. If you think the pastor had the money, he had the money. (laughs) And in 1870, incredible things happened to Horatio. Lost his first son to sickness. In the great Chicago fire of the 1870s, he lost most of his properties. Because of the stress, he sent his wife with his remaining four daughters across the ocean to Europe to find out later that his four daughters drowned while his wife survived. When Horatio went after his wife and he was in the ship, the ship captain told Horatio as they were going where the ship sank, He said, Horatio, it seems this was the place that the ship sang. And he penned his words, it is well with my soul. If he would not know about God's love, if he would not have the relationship with God, how would you think he would have reacted otherwise? He would have said, God, that's your fault. But instead, he penned, it is well with my soul, whatever you want, God, because I know in whose hands I... What about amazing grace? John Newton, one of the worst sinners you could ever find in the world. 
If you could have seen John Newton in, in the heyday of his life, a young guy, you would have dismissed him because he was just trouble. And it was until he was in a ship that he almost died, that he asked forgiveness to God, and he found a Savior. And from that point on, he started to grow in the Lord. And his highs and lows in his Christian walk, he penned amazing grace. How sweet. Can you sing amazing grace just a little bit, sir? Sweet the sound that saves us like me. I was, was lost, but now That's, that was him. That was him. Why? Because of love. William Carey, back in the 1800s, and 19th century, he read a book by another missionary called David Brainerd, which I spoke the last time I was here. David Brainerd was a melancholy person. He was always sad, always depressed, but he kept with his love for God. And it was him when he penned his autobiography. William Carey took upon it and he read Jonathan Edwards and he went straight to India. Because of the love of Brainerd, William Carey went to India. The last person you would hope that could convert anybody and right here, you and I are the David Brainerds. You and I are the Will and Carries. You and I are the Lottie Moons. You and I are the thing that God has created to be in contact with somebody to show them the love of Christ. You and I. And it's a thrill when you can show that love to somebody. It's a thrill to see how love can make things happen in a way that you and I cannot explain. You know, we can do all the rules and policies for a church. Don't do this, don't do that. We'll do this, we'll do that. But love, love goes beyond words because love goes beyond gender, disabilities, race. love and God wants to pour so much love into you right now I wonder if you're here for the first time is it a coincidence that you're here for the first time if you are uh uh God doesn't work that way he's got a puzzle for your life where he builds every single piece and puts it in place in due time he paints a mosaic of your life And he starts in one corner and you cannot fathom what he's going to end up with until you reach heaven. The love of God does not measure anything you've ever seen in this world. It goes beyond understanding. But it's there freely if you ask, 
He's not going to deny. But that's what the Apostle John was trying to tell us. Let me go back to these three folks that talk about their definition of love. Church, we have a challenge in the next century. All the philosophers of the world, all the atheism of the world, is trying to lock the doors of every single church around the world, including U.S. You see our freedoms right now in the U.S., what's happening to them? They're, we're losing them little by little. How many of you know that 10 years ago, homosexuality was something wrong, and nowadays it's preached openly like even the president honored that. What will happen 10 years from now, 20 years from now to the church? Are we going to get intimidated by the powers of the world or are we going to face the world with the faith of a little child? The love that Matt stands to his wife is the love that stands to us all because love of God is committed to us. And we end up because the love that God has is shared with all. Amen.